Hello, Whiskey Files, and welcome to another episode of Pot Still Radio. on show radio the Copeland Distillery, Mr. William Stafford. Welcome to the show, Falchikadi on show A. Hey Matt, um, thanks, thanks for having us on board today. And good, Not good no problem at all. And for everyone out there in podcast land who speaks the English language, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Potstill Radio in our lovely quarantine uh, series. We are in lockdown, so once again I am joined via video calls, Google Hangouts. I basically need to have shares in them at this point. They've been so helpful. But I am delighted to be welcomed by the head distiller of Copeland Distillery in County Down, Mr. William Safford, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Um, yeah, thanks, thanks for having us on board. Um, it's good, good to be here and get, get involved. Not a problem at all. I'm delighted to have you. Uh, I'm delighted to be able to take a part of uh, your work day to talk to me here. You have some lovely stills gleaming away in the background. Not that anyone <laughs> could see that on a podcast format, but sure, look. But before we get kicked off, I want to say a word from our sponsors. So, Cloan, the true distillery. Dedicated to transparency, cast strength bottlings with integrity and without colour or filtration, Cologne Distillery, the past and the future of Irish pot still whiskey. And the PX series from WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants, gently finished in sherry casks, a different kind of Irish. Follow O'Connell Whiskey across all platforms or visit wdoconnell.com for more details. And irishmalls.com, new whiskies, old whiskies, and everything in between. Delivering to Ireland, the UK, Europe, and most US states. Visit irishmalls.com to browse their full range of whiskies, including the Cologne and the WD O'Connell whiskies. So, Will, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to have you here. For everyone out there in podcast land that doesn't know you and your work, why don't you give us a little rundown about who you are and what your role is with Copeland Distillery? Yeah, um, so basically I'm the head distiller at Copeland and have been since we opened our distillery in County Down um, in Donaghadee back in 2000, June 2018 when we first opened the doors here, um, when, when we first fired up the still essentially. We, the business itself is started by Gareth Irvine and um, he started this business back in 2016 um, in a very roundabout way to eventually get to a distillery, Gareth. Um, had finished university and started in a sales job um, in Belfast where he was selling software and um, essentially being one of these people that couldn't sit still, didn't really enjoy what he was doing and always wanted to open a distillery. Um, didn't know an awful pile about spirits but could, could sell. So Gareth um, basically quit his job overnight and started making infused gin in his um, mother's kitchen. Essentially that's exactly where it started. He with the ambition of one day building a distillery, so started started selling um, infused gins used with uh, infused with local county down fruits, um, to then um, moving to five warehouse um, units in, in a small town called Sainfield. Um, whilst he uh, intended to build build capital essentially to, to start this distillery. Um, our namesake, the Copeland Distillery, is of um, it's named after the Copeland Islands which have a, a rich heritage in smuggling spirits into County Down and the rest of the, rest <laughs> of, uh, the north. Um, so, yeah, named after the Copeland Islands um, and always wanted to be as close to them as we physically could. So we 
Gareth should I say was um, put, as he was putting together the funds and the and the fundamentals of building the distillery, he um, was working from those five warehouse units, and then ultimately came across a really really nice site in the middle of Donegadee, um, overlooking the Copeland Islands, um, as close as we physically could be without being on them, um, and we ended up in a, a cinema built in an old cinema building built in 1915, and which lay lay derelict for. 15 to 20 years before we got our hands on it yeah and then the, so we opened opened the distillery in 2018 um and initially started off with one still producing um our gin so we gareth currently had the two gins that he sold as, as his core range and then we um sort of redeveloped those two and created another two gins um whilst we were waiting on our whiskey stills to arrive um, which took about nine months um, from from placing the order, um, and as I said, unfortunately the guys can't see them, but they're directly behind me here um, in the in the video at the minute. And yeah, the rest sort of been been history. Um, myself, um, yeah, as been been head distiller for at at Copen, um, from the very start. So um, as the, when the distillery opened, um, I came from another distillery in the north here as well, down in Fermanagh. Um, where we produced a, a range of spirits again, from from gin to different uh, styles of vodka, essentially, um, and studied through in, the international brewing and distilling is where I picked up most of the theory. I had a, a fair bit of knowledge and a bit of home distilling, um, and then yeah, that's that's how I got into this role. And we've been producing in here in Copeland. We've been producing whiskey from November 2018 um, on a fairly small scale um, before we moved or before our, our two whiskey stills arrived um, as now that they have arrived our production is sort of split across about 75% whiskey and then the rest being rum and gin as well. So talk to me about the stills that you have there. Um, I know you've kind of got a little bit different setup and I know you're talking about the stills that have just arrived. What kind of stills have you got and what kind of volumes are you looking at in each of them? And and then uh, subsequently, what kind of whiskey spirit does it make on the far side? So the, the, the two stills, the, the two dedicated whiskey stills that we have, they're, they're both, um, both, both pots and we, we don't have any, they're, they're not the sort of hybrid style that we got for our, our gin still. Um, two, just two copper pots. Um, we, it's the, the wash still being 800 litre. We only run it at um, 600 litre capacity, so very, very small. Um, and the spirit still is 600 litres as well, so we subsequently do... Uh, on a on a wash day, do two wash runs, um, and then the following day load, load that into the the spirit pot, um, and run run the two wash batches through that as as one spirit distillation. Um, most of what we produce um is double double distilled malt. Um, we've played about with different things. We've we've run we've probably only put down maybe 10, eight to ten casks of of triple triple distilled pot still. Um. It, malt being our our biggest product simply because we don't have the, the setup that most other distilleries have. We started off with a fairly small outlay in terms of capital. So we, we decided malt was what we wanted to do and for it to be economic and, and affordable, we decided malt is the, was the best route for us to go. Um, so yeah, 
80% of the whiskey that we've made is double distilled malt. Um, the rest of that being split between triple distilled malt and uh, double and triple distilled pot still. We've played about a lot with uh, the double distilled pot still. I know there's, I don't know if there's anyone else running that at the moment, but we've we've put it into casks um, and really, really enjoyed how it's come out. It's it's the sort of style of whiskey that I like. It's really, really grassy and earthy. And there's like there's, there's loads of like fleshy fruits and stuff in there, so that's worked really well for us. But long term, we probably won't produce a massive amount of pot still until we can essentially upgrade this because we don't have mash conversion vessels and and stuff like that. We we have a an old school mash tun and five fermenters, and that's a, and a homemade underback is basically what we're is basically what we're working with at the moment. Um, so yeah, that's that's the production whiskey production in a in a nutshell, really. So one thing I will say is that you are uh, broadcasting to us from the actual distillery floor. So if it sounds like velociraptors are attacking in the background, that's just what what the sounds of a distillery sound like during the day. Um, but so talk to me then, if you do you five in situ fermenters uh, or are you using kind of an IBC style if your washes are 600? No, we got we we went for five. We so we have five eighteen hundred liter fermenters, um, and so we we run six hundred liter wash batches. So um, those two washes go into the same wash back. Um, we're, yeah, 1150 11, liters to twelve hundred liters um, per per mash is what we're we're getting out. Um, so we decided I, I've worked with IBCs and different things before and other distilleries and just trying to keep them clean. And, and sterile is extremely difficult. So we, we just bit the bullet and bought bought five fairly big fermenters um with built with, with all your built in CAP and stuff. Um as I said we're the quantities that we produce is very small. So the margin margin for error is also very small. So we, we just like to keep everything as, as straightforward as possible. Um and yeah, keep keep keeping top top of the hygiene where 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 possible. That's fair enough. So you do the grain intake at the distillery, uh, milled, and then into mash tun. You said so. You're not you're not on the louder ton uh, buzz no, here, but no, not that, enough. definitely not. But that works perfectly for ma- uh, for malt. So at least you're 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 we're in the right ballpark, I suppose, in the terms of the mash tun. And then what what size is the mash tun if your fermenters are eighteen hundred liters? Are you doing three mashes to fill one, or does one mash fill the whole? Uh, well, one, one mash fills fills the whole thing. So the the mash tun was designed to take three hundred and fifty kilos of grain. Um, we are running. We're only running two hundred and fifty kilos a day through it at the moment. Um, we do, at the minute we do four mashes a week. Um, we've only started that from we got the new stills and the, and the new fermenters. But yeah, four four mashes a week, two hundred and fifty kilos a day. Um, and that that works. It's sort of just at the upper limit as to what we can get in. And we we only use the second water. We don't use the third. Um, simply, simply because our our setup just doesn't really allow it in, in terms of in a, in a working day, really. Um, so, like we we don't we unfortunately don't have the time to, to recycle a third water back into the, the hot liquor tank. So, with when that wash is now it's fermented and you're going into the stills. Talk to me about what is kind of coming at the other side. You said that uh, you got a lot of grassy notes, but is that the pot still or the malt? Um, a little bit of both. The the malt tends to be a, a lot sort of nuttier and chocolatey, and um, that that lends itself to the, the mash tun itself with quite a quite a deep bed, um, compared to what you get in a lauder lauder tun. Um, 
saying that it means we have a, we have a slower runoff time of the mash tun and stuff. But it, to me, it's it's replicating a an older style of whiskey when when guys were running mash tuns. Yes, they're not efficient, um, but there's a there's a flavor profile that you get out of a mash tun that I personally don't think that you can get out of a lauder tun, um, simply because of bed depths and and different stuff like that. Um, and your obviously your runoff times a lot, um, a lot slower as well. So we get a really nice nutty, um, nutty grassy uh, profile coming coming through in the wash, um, and that that comes out in the wash still as well. Um, but yeah, the the, the works just not efficient, unfortunately. <laughs> well, there's always a balance between efficiency and flavor, so that's that's fair enough. Great. And are, are, is it distilling malt in, or are we going ale malt, or do you have the flexibility of other specialty malts? All distilling malt. Um, I've in pre- previous roles I've worked with choc- chocolate malt. Um, so in in terms of the the malted whiskey that we've made, we've it's um it's either just been a hundred percent your your standard um, malt barley, or up to ten to twelve percent chocolate malt we've used in there as well. Um, running that again being inefficient as it is um the chocolate malt doesn't help that um so it put, put the price up a little bit but um in terms of liquid coming off the stills um absolutely fantastic the, the chocolate malt's amazing um don't know if there's any other distilleries um across the, the island using chocolate malt um but uh, yeah work, works an absolute treat um we've we've put that into a few different casks um second fill of sherry butts um and it's it's working an absolute treat with one with a yeah there's a 500 liter butt um with the chocolate malt in it there at the minute and just coming up to a year old um now in november so fairly excited to get to get a good sample of that out and see see how that's come along in, in 12 months oh that sounds very exciting so talk to me about your cast program then so you're you've got all this delicious malt coming off the sills what does the cask program or the wood uh, maturation program for Copeland look like? Um, at, at the start, with the um, production sort of being sporadic with the one still at the minute, we don't uh, like we've just there's a variance of everything. No, no serious quantities of anything, but like we went into um, first fill and second fill Pinot Noir casks, and well, your all your sherries, your all are also uh, PXs, both again, both first fill and second fill. Um, the bulk of it going into bourbons. Um, again, first and second fill. Um, at the minute we just didn't have enough quantity to to really go go mad at the start. Um, mm. we've actually we've actually just put some some of our double malt into our rum casks that we decanted last week. Um, just to see how that. Goes. I know we we would. I prefer to probably finish a spread in some of the rum casks that we have, but we we just. We had um, a bit of malt spare, so we, we threw it in to, to see how that fares out. Cast program now that we have the, the two stills and we're running at full capacity, whiskey-wise. Um, it's going to be split mainly across um, your bur- bourbon, sherries, and um, port as well is our biggest biggest plans at the moment. Um, we we will look at um, going into peated cask and stuff like that for a wee while until we start running our own peated malt. Um but yeah, cast program fairly fairly straightforward. Nothing nothing mad in there yet until we get a bit of a, a, a decent quantity of stock down, um, so that we can ultimately do a release in two and a half to three years potentially. So just just keeping it nice and simple at the moment. 
Oh, that's fair enough. And how do you find sourcing the casks for the distillery? Because compared to some of the other distilleries in Ireland, you know, you're looking for a relatively smaller amount of casks um, and from different parts of the world. Is it going, you know, do we need people like Neffen or brokers around the world or do you have your own contacts in different bodegas and wineries? We um, unfortunately the volumes that we're buying and um, bodegas and wineries don't want to don't want to hear hear about us or, or deal with us at all really. Um, so a lot of our stuff has come through um, Speyside at the moment. Um, we I've just actually spoke to the guys at, at Neffen as well to try and see what those guys can get us moving forward. Now that we've got, we're going to have a regular um, stock going down every every week, um, we'd like to sort of start expanding it. And if we could use some of the guys in Ireland, it would be it would be fantastic. But um, as I said, our choices have been fairly limited. Consider we're not buying container loads um, at a time. We're, we're probably looking at four, well, fifteen to eighteen casks a month if we're if we're running malt, really. So very very small volumes, and um, just getting the stuff in from Speyside and getting them filled as quickly as possible, really. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And talk to me as well, you know, one of the hot button items uh, on any distilleries list in Ireland at the moment is uh, warehousing space. Bonded warehouses are hen's teeth at the moment. Um, how are you finding it? I know the HMRC has a few, a uh, little, little bit more lenient at times and, and far more strict at other times than than their, their counterparts. But how are you finding in terms of actual cask storage and maturation so um, we're fairly lucky in the sense that we're um, next door neighbours with Ecklandville, um, and we know those guys have some space. So we're we're like we're in regular contact with Ecklandville anyway. Um, they've helped us out quite a few times. Even when I came to open the distillery, they were they were excellent. So um, at the minute, everything that we have filled is is in the distillery. Um, HMRC up here because we're such a small fish, we've um, got away with stuff that other distilleries. Don't normally there's casks lying everywhere. Um, like if you if you come into our visitor center, um, which just overlooks the the production floor, um, there's just stacks of casks. Um, as as like there's, there's you can physically touch them if you're in the visitor center. Um, so they are they're, they're stacked all up the, the far end of the distillery at the moment. Um, but yeah, we're running out of space fairly quickly, and, and now that we're going to be putting down sixteen to eighteen casks, um, that space is um. Yeah, it's it's ran out basically. So the guys down in Acklandville, um, we'll probably move move stuff down to, um, which we're quite happy to do. Uh, considering their their climate as such is exactly the same as ours. It's, it's a 20, 25 minute drive down to Acklandville, um, and they're they're nice and close to the to the seaside, which is what we want. Fair enough, and that's a quite a nice, good neighbourly agreement you have going on there, um. Do you yeah. find that a lot from the Irish whiskey community as a whole, from the producer side as well as from the kind of more enthusiast consumer side? Yeah, absolutely. Like I've, um, I'm yet to experience um, anyone or any other distillery for that matter that, that hasn't been welcoming or um, easy to work with. Essentially, we like I said, we're a very small distillery. There was we, we were under pressure to get a cask filled um, for our cask program um, a few months back and picked up the phone and with, within an hour with a second full of sherry butt um, up the road from Acklandville. Uh, guys down at Cologne are great. Um, you've, you've got a uh, short cross beside us here as well. Um, all, all those guys, they're all um, 
fairly easy to work with, which is which is great news. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> it's nice. I mean, there's a lot of kind of you know competing on the shelves, but are competing on the shelves, so to say, but uh, much more friendly on the ground. I think is 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 good there's to see. Plenty of, there's plenty of room for all of us. Um, I know ultimately we're all after the the same customers, but there's um yeah there's plenty of room for us um it's a, it's a big bad world out there so there's yeah there's there's plenty of different routes for all of us to go um and, and hit the numbers that we need to hit essentially well that's 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 good to hear so now that you've the new stills in what is i suppose 2020 the 2020 q4 and the whole of 2021 looking like in terms of the focus for copeland because you mentioned your visitor center which i'm assuming isn't uh a key focus of driving the business uh, for the next year, just with COVID restrictions. So, what does it look like? Is it a big gin focus, or you know, is um, Ruberry Gin going to be the the, we, the next big thing? Or our our biggest gin seller is our is our flagship. It's a it's just it's our um, juniper forward, a uh, loads of citrus, good gin, the way it should be. Um, that's that's our biggest seller, and um, it's it's been very very busy. Now, um, at the start of lockdown, it was we sort of there was about six weeks of a of a lull, um, and then we were a bit behind on where we should have been. Um, the last two three months has been insane for um, products going out the door. And um, we being such a small distillery, we have a fairly quick tur- or high turnover, so we, we try to keep um, and any stock that's bottled we. It tends to be going out the door straight away, and we were caught cold um, a, a few weeks back um, uh. with uh, an order for France that we um, we hadn't even been in contact with those guys. We were not stocked in France currently, um, and they they hit us with a, a fairly large um, container load request. Um, and we, as I said, because we are a small distillery, we don't have huge amounts of bottles sitting about, and we also have a, a spoke bottle which. Um, has proven to be painful to get, um, especially because those bottles are coming out of Italy as well. Um, so trying to get bottles across. The, our, but our, our biggest focus is catch up on whiskey production of where, where we've lacked with them. We haven't won still for such a long period. So main focus is start getting more of our whiskey down, um, Yeah, make up a bit of ground there and continue with our gin and rum production. Um, we just launched a rum this week and it's um, proven to be quite successful. So again, just focusing on it and making sure we don't run out of stock because it's all we we mature at all. So, so is County Down going to be the rum producing capital of Ireland at this point? It seems it seems to be now. You've two two rum releases in uh, in a matter of days, um, on, on top of each other. So potentially, I'd prefer it to be the the malt capital, but. Um, um, rum has a seems to have a fairly big footing at the moment exactly and as, as i've said a number of times county down seems to be the new distilling capital of ireland regardless of what's being distilled it just seems like there's umpteen amounts of distilleries popping up in county down much more than it seems any other county has we're, we're a curious bunch <laughs> up down as they say yeah. um so that you mentioned a moment ago your bespoke bottle now, if anyone hasn't seen your bespoke bottle, do you know the Instagram handle off the top of your head for Copeland? Because I want to drive people to this. This is a sexy bottle. If anyone knows me, I love packaging. 
And this bespoke gin bottle is beautiful. Um, if you two two seconds, it's lit just Copeland Distillery, all lower cases. Yeah. Yeah. Well, head to that uh, because it is beautiful. Um, and who who came up with the idea of going to do a bespoke bottle for the gin? Because that that's a that's an interesting, I suppose, advance on on the brand. Because anyone who does anything with bottling or branding will know bespoke bottles. First of all, are outrageously expensive to develop, but then to make, like you said. There's only a certain amount of production runs they can do a year. There's stock in shoes and whereabouts, but um, it's very cool. It sets you apart, but it's a pain in the ass from from the it's production side. Massively, yeah. So um, not uh, having one bespoke bottle um, wasn't enough for Gareth. So we we decided to go and add a second bespoke bottle, um, which is obviously the the rum so both of them are bespoke and um, from day one before we even looked at glass gareth wanted a bespoke bottle um and there was no ifs and buts and we we just went for it we worked with a vetro um they've done a really really good job yes order quantities is fairly large but cost can be spread out um that's more so for the office guys to to deal with and sort out i just <laughs> i didn't make the liquid and fill them um but yeah, the bespoke bottle. Um, it's lovely. It's just a. It's just one of the, the smaller details. Um, a, a, it shows maybe reflects the effort that went in to um bringing that gin to to the market. Um, it wasn't just a, a quick fix. There was a lot of work went into it. Um, the bottle and label design was I think it was about eleven months in total from the, those guys started the process. Um, and shape we had a fairly um good idea of what we wanted uh, in terms term in terms of shape but yeah they tim our brand development manager and gareth um had probably the biggest influence obviously on on the bottle and label and then working with our designers who are again um, local guys and um, so they're, they're about 25 minutes away from us they're they're down down towards actonville so down the peninsula um and those the, the designers live and breathe um this area so it was it was fairly straightforward we we knew what we wanted to go on the bottle um and those guys just done a magnificent job of piecing all the, the stuff that we fired at them together really well that's great is do you guys have just the 700 european bottle or did you also have to go off and create a 750 us bottle it's um it's in the process of being done um the 750 um again the, the the guys at Vetro knew it was coming, so they've been sort of working away on it in the background. And because we've ordered a fairly large bit of stock from those guys, there they were happy to, to start the, the project um, and and sort of get it off the ground. Um, and when we go, we've we're in contact with uh, American stuff at the minute about getting our stock out, so it's obviously um, it's needed for there as well. So those guys are on that already, thankfully. Well, that's good to hear. So you mentioned that the bottles are coming from Italy. Um, obviously, COVID hit Italy pretty hard, um, which kind of spirals me into my next question quite nicely. What has the effect of COVID been, I suppose, on the business? I know you said that the orders have dipped and then have gone up, but from every element from production to the to the marketing and the sales and the bottles and, and everything in between, what, is, what has COVID meant for the distillery? In- 
Um, and thankfully, no layoffs or even even furlough. We were very lucky that we we do, we don't have a large team. Um, it's bigger now than than what it was when pre pre COVID. Um, the team's nearly doubled, in fact, in in the last months. But we, in terms of production, didn't really affect us apart from again the bottles. We had orders that were just um delayed and delayed and delayed in Rotterdam. Um, we had two container loads of bottles coming over and we just couldn't get them on the lorry um, quick enough basically and just every every day there was a, a different delay but in terms of our raw ingredients and stuff like that we, we had no issues um, we have a really good relationship with our ethanol suppliers and botanicals we only order twice a year um, and it just so happens that those twice a year tends, tends to be January and then halfway through the summer so we had everything in stock that we needed um, to continue production and um, the guys at Minch Malt kept giving us free and um, again it's we, we use a ton of week um, so it's not it's not that much we're, and we were fairly lucky that um, it hasn't really affected us yes um, orders slowed down for about six weeks but they, they gradually picked up and then the last two months has just been um, with bars and stuff reopening and um, it's been it's been really really good so We've no no complaints there. There was a few headaches with a uh, sanitizer, but thankfully that's that's the thing of the well, kind of a thing of the past. And talk to me about the sanitizer. Was was that an easy process to get uh, authorization and and the certs and permissions to change to make denatured alcohol or? Um... Yeah, fairly straightforward. We um, we were able to buy denatured alcohol. Um, we Gareth has. Quite a few connections, um, and he was able to pull a few strings, and we were able to get a a, a constant supply of denatured alcohol. So it didn't, it, I didn't have to pull my hair out trying to navigate HMRC um, warehouse records and stuff like that. So it was already denatured, so not dutiable, thankfully. Um, so it was a fairly straight, straightforward process, and it was just buying the the other ingredients and mix it, mixing it up, send send it away for certification. Um, and then getting it into a bottle and, and getting it out to people as, as quickly as we could. Um, and with with there being such a massive shortage of it at the time, um, guys were taking it. Like I think that's why the, the government, when they were less released, that if it's above 75%, um, that they, they will accept it. So everything that we produced was um, 80% alcohol anyway. Okay, that makes sense. And you mentioned there you're, you're off getting it bottled. Uh, for particularly the distillery brands and, of course, the hand sanitizer, um, do you have an in-house bottling line? Because I know that's another thing. We talk about shortages in the country. Bonded warehouses and bottling lines are in uh, short supply and high demand. Yes. Well, we, we have a, it's a very, I call it a bottling hall. It's not a bottling hall. It's a, a room that we originally earmarked to be a, a store in the distillery um, that we do all of our, so all of our bottling is done in-house. Um, we don't rely on anyone. Um, now, we, we're currently looking at minis. We don't have a, a bottler for minis, and um, that's the only really headache we've had. We, we do all of our own bottling in-house. We can bottle, bottle and label 2,000 bottles a day if need be. Um, so we're, we're thankfully, we're, we're, we're quite okay in that regard at the moment. Um, Eventually, we will either look to outsource it or build a bigger bottling line in one of our warehouses if, if we can get a, get the warehouse bonded, essentially. I see that one of your somewhat uh, nearby distilleries, Hinch, is just putting in a bottling line as well. Maybe maybe in the future, there'll be a few uh, outsources going that direction. I don't know. Um, I can, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and blackmail Jamie into 
taking up the ABCs of stuff, maybe. I, I'm sure he won't be that hard to blackmail. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the um, so that you're hand bottling in house. Um, and there's, I know I've seen it on. I was just checking out your Instagram page while you were giving us the the handle there. Uh, first of all, anyone listening, check out the Navy Strength Gin. That bottle is just dynamite. Um, but there's even wax tips uh, for your quite a quite a large hefty cork. Um, again, that that must be. Put it down the line, glass bottle, rinse, fill, label cap, and then someone physically picking it up and dumping it into uh, and, uh, the, the wax the wax bath. Into a series of uh, three slow cookers. Um, one, yeah. Um, it, it hasn't been too bad. Um, there was a, a bit of faffing um, at the start, just trying to get the consistency of the wax and stuff right. Um, but it's, it's like anything, the, the longer you do it, um, you... you pick it up fairly quickly um as i said there's quite a few quite a few more hands in the distillery now than there, than there was pre-covid so um takes the pressure off um myself and mark who works in the production floor as well so we just allows us to focus on um getting getting spirit made and then we have we have a team of guys who do all the bottling packaging labeling and, and shipping out the door basically so it works quite well um yeah, the waxings, the the navy strength gin. Um, it's limited to a batch size. Um, so it's a, it's about five six casks every time. Um, so there's not a massive volume of bottles to be waxed. Um, in one go. So we can we can sort of cover that in a few days. Thankfully, if the slow cookers keep keep up, that is. Have there been issues with those? Or have there? Um. Y- yes, we um we bought bought a couple of slow cookers cheap handy money obviously very handy money and they worked a treat and then we thought we'd upgrade to more racy um slow cookers which tend to be uh, terrible there's only two two settings on them and it just it's either too thick or too thin so we had to revert back to the 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 cheap ones (laughs) (laughs) so more expensive is not always better than not always that's a prime example Uh, exactly um so if uh, people around the world are looking to check out the products, um, you said you weren't in France. Uh, are you exporting to many European or I suppose non-European countries at the moment? I know that's not particularly your end of the business, but I figure you might have an idea. Um, well, yeah, there's our, our, big, our biggest market is Australia. Um, so twice a year we send out about fourteen to 16,000 bottles out to Australia and to two different consents. Um, Estonia and then we're not directly sending out so most of our stock that like you funny last year in Spain I came across our um, gin in Fungarola um, but and spoke to the, the bar team and it was purchased through Master of Malt actually um, so those guys are the guys that are shipping it out we don't have massive our biggest market is our home market um, but yeah, we, we don't send a massive amount of direct stock out to Europe at the minute, but that's um, that's what the guys in the office are current, currently working on. That's their task. It was their task pre-COVID, but um, obviously that put a, um, put a stop to those guys sort of looking at different different markets for us, really. Well, that's fair enough. And you, you're saying that the biggest market is the home market. How has, I suppose, the local response been to... Uh, uh, upstart distillery starting in a 1915 cinema building uh, in, in Donaghy they love it absolutely love it um, and it was part of the reason why we wanted to be 
in the middle, in the heart of the town. Like we, we could have ultimately had a bigger premise um, if we wanted. Um, there, there's plenty of places in and around Donaghy that we could have used, um, but we, we wanted to be stuck in the middle of it all. Um, there's loads of really good bars and restaurants and stuff in Donaghy, um, and there's a really good footfall. Um, it's weekends in this place are, are manic, um, with, with just people coming out of the city, um, out, out to the coast, and it's really, really nice. So that, that's why we wanted to be here. It worked really well for our tours, um, which obviously have been closed for quite some time now, but it worked fantastically well. The guys in Donaghy love having the distillery here. Um, it, it, it brings local employment, everything apart from myself. I'm the only real blow in being, being from Fermanagh. Um, they have, um, it, yeah, they, they have embraced it. They love it. They're, we have an open door policy here. Um, so there's there's guys sticking their head through the door at all times. We built a, a three by three meter window in the side of the production floor so people could see in small town syndrome. Um, Everyone want- wants to know what's going on. Everyone wants to know what's going on. A um, couple, of, couple of funny stories when the, the builders were actually um, putting the distillery together. The people just asking what it was and what, what's it going to be and, and different things like that. And a couple of funny stories of it. Uh, the builders telling people it was going to be a funeral directors and different things, I guess. And people were like, oh. Well, you're kind of in the heart of old distilling country there as well. Do you have many people coming in telling you stories of Comber or any of the, the Belfast distilleries or anything in, in that like? Yeah, there there is. Um, there's um, there's a couple of history, re- retired historians in the town um, who do like free walking tours and stuff around Donaghadee. Um, they they know a lot. Um, they're absolutely fantastic. Some of them are like ex doctors and stuff like that, but they just has, they love history. Um, and anything that we ever need or want to find out, it's it's a quick phone call to those guys, or they tend to pop by the distillery every couple of days. Um, so if there's any information that we need on even any of the older distilleries, um, they find out fairly quickly. Um, if they can't find out, they, they know someone who can, um, which is, which is great. Um, cause I don't, I wouldn't know where to begin to look really. Um, so those guys are fantastic. Well, it's great having them on the doorstep, I suppose. And even better if they buy a bottle of gin on the way. I don't know. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, we can't sell gin directly from the distillery. Um, we're working on that at the moment. We're trying to source a license, but again, that's been um, that's been difficult to navigate as well. Oh, listen, the bane of every distillery in Ireland not being able to sell on premise. Yeah, we're not. We're not. The, yeah, we're not the only ones that uh, have had that issue. But um, yeah, as I said, we're we're in the process of, of sourcing uh, a license um, so that we can. Um, but again, we've we've a good off sale, really good off sales in the town um, that all of our stock goes to, and especially when it comes around to releases, um, they just get hammered, and you're you're getting phone calls every day. You go and call, can I have another six cases, another six cases of, of stuff up to those guys, and the bars as well. The the bar, some of the bars have licenses here in Donaghy to sell um, as an off sale, so that it works an absolute treat for us. Um, we done a we done a charity bottling for a, an old lifeboat. Um, from Donaghy, um, and it was it was also through one of the the bars, which is a stone's throw away from the distillery. Well, that's great to have the local support and that that literally a a, a vendor uh, on on the doorstep like that. So you have the two small alembic um, whiskey stills, and then you have your gin still as well. Is I know you've just only got the the whiskey stills now, but is the kind of the objective, the long-term objective to stay that kind of um, boutique 
size and, and with the boutique quantities or is the long-term ambitions of the distillery to grow obviously down the line? Look, long-term, absolutely. We, we want to grow. Um, we bought what was affordable for us at the time. Um, we, the business has grown organically. Um, we haven't had any any investment or anything like that. So we um, everything that's been done in this distillery is off Gareth's back, essentially. Um, and credit to him. I, I know it's a pretty difficult thing to do, but we, we do want to expand. Um, we don't want to be, as, as much as we, we love being a, a small distillery and boutique I don't like using those kind of words or crafty or small bats or anything like that, so I'll stay away from them. But we, we absolutely want to grow. We, we just want to be able to deliver good quality spurs and at as, for, uh, as affordable prices as we physically can. Um, we want our spurs to be, we want our spurs to drink. Um, and obviously that's the, the bigger the bigger you get economies of scale and all that stuff you can um the more we can produce um the cheaper we can buy raw materials at and the better prices that we can d- deliver to customers um we yeah we've, we've no plans to try and stay this size forever we, we do want to grow and uh, every business should I, I guess yeah absolutely um just before we go any further i do want to say a few words from our sponsors so this episode is brought to you by the PX Series, single malt whiskies gently finished in sherry casks by WD O'Connell Whiskey Merchants, a different kind of Irish. Follow O'Connell Whiskey across all platforms or visit wdoconnell.com for more details. And what's your treat this week? Why not enjoy a clone 10-year-old cast strength whiskey or a delicious flame-fed pot-stilled puchine? All available online. Check out clonedistillery.com for more information. Or, of course, irishmalts.com, who have all the latest and greatest whiskies, gins, puchings delivered straight to your door. Visit irishmalts.com to browse their full range. And, of course, the WD O'Connell whiskies and the clone whiskies available from irishmalts.com. So, well, I was wondering, you're mentioning that, the you know, across all of this, you're talking about the, the grain and whatnot that you're getting for the distillery. Um, and I think you said it was Minch they're using. Is that right? Yeah, the guys are Minch Malt, yeah. So is the... I presume a lot of or all of the malt would be coming from Ireland or the UK then at that point and everything that we, everything apart from the um, chocolate malt that we use has been certified Irish, um, which is which is great. I know the chocolate malt's coming out of there. Some of their other plants, maybe a Boer malt or some of those guys. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of all of our malt whiskey, um, without the chocolate malt, is all certified Irish, which is fantastic. And I suppose the beauty of maybe working at smaller scales. Um, it's nice to do. I don't know uh, the larger distilleries um, try and buy as much Irish green as, as they physically can, but um, it just doesn't work all the time. And going through a ton a week at the moment um, is is great because it is. And I love seeing the back of every twenty five kilo bag that says certified Irish. <laughs> oh, so you, you get it in twenty five bags rather than in a in a one ton drop. Uh... 25 kilo bags and threw over the shoulder and into the into the mash tun. There's probably a few pictures on that Instagram page somewhere. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think I liked one earlier when I was flicking through it of your your face tipping a bag in. Um, I, I tell you what about those bags. They have the nice little sewn top in them that are meant to be the easy pull out, and I've literally never managed to do that properly. It is the and and I watch I watch I know how to do it. Like 17 feckin' people have showed me how the easy pull works, and I've literally never successfully done it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I, I grew up in a household that um, had a back boiler, and mom was a big fan of, of burning coal, so I opened bags. This the exact same. Pull, pull bags um, throughout my childhood, so it was fairly straightforward. 
Well, that, that's well. It's good to know you know what you're up to. I suppose I'm not digging out bags every day, so um, I, I'll leave. I'll leave the expertise to you. Maybe the maybe the when I can at COVID restrictions allowing, maybe whenever we're able to go up to the distillery, you can show me how it's done properly. Yeah, if I can get a free day's labour out of you, not a absolutely not a problem. There you go. You see, that's the thing people don't think about. <laughs> Put us to work when we arrive. Um, we, we do it with everyone else. So there you go. And um, so. If people are looking for uh, you guys online on the social medias, either yourself or Copeland themselves, um, why don't you hit us with uh, any of the websites? Or you already gave us the Copeland uh, Instagram page, but maybe if you're on Twitter or even your personal ones, if you want people to ch- check out what you're up to on a day-to-day basis, uh, give us a few places to check you out. Yeah, so the the Facebook again is it's straightforward Copeland Distillery. Um, it'll it'll come up straight away. The Copeland Distillery. Um, Instagram, just coping the celery all lowercase. Uh, myself is um, Stafford William on Instagram. Um, Gareth Irvine, um, the founder, and then our um, brand development manager, who is known locally as Mister Donagadee. Um, Tim, uh, his his Instagram handle is Tim Burr. Um, doesn't doesn't want anyone to know his second name, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can find him as, as Timber, brand development manager. Um great great with a camera, so you'll probably get better photos on, on his Instagram than you will on mine. Well, we'll make sure to give all those guys a follow. Um and for everyone listening in who wants to check out more potstilled content, you can always find us online at www.potstilled.com. We're also at twitter.com forward slash potstilled underscore, which is the exact same handle for Instagram. Uh, you can always check us out if you're looking for more uh, Potstilled radio episodes or on our YouTube for Potstilled for Potstilled Live, which is also available back on our Facebook page for any of the Potstilled Live episodes. Um, but uh, Mr. Stafford, thank you very much for your time today. I know I've uh, I've pulled you from the distillery floor, so I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to sit down with me um, and even with all the velociraptors going on in the background you you were able to give us 110 percent of your attention so i really appreciate it you're, you're very welcome i think that's the the tape guns going, going flat out at the minute getting boxes ready um, but yeah no pleasure all mine great, great, to be, great to be on here cool so everyone keep your eyes out and uh sir for me and Margaret. <laughs>